welcome to the Changemakers podcast. My name is Dave Corlett and I am the business director at a creative agency called Shapeby. We launched this podcast so that we can talk to leading marketers at what we call Changemaker Brands, businesses on a mission to change the world for the better through technology. What I want to find out from them is the role that creativity plays in helping them to communicate the benefits of their technology. Hopefully their insights, their experience and their stories can help you to supercharge your own creativity. This is a conversation that I had with Ashley Stepien, who's the VP of Marketing at a fintech startup called Ramp. Ramp are absolutely fascinating. They've only been going two years. They're already valued at nearly $2 billion and they are on a mission to completely change the way that we approach and manage corporate spend within businesses. I started following them on LinkedIn a little while ago and also started following Ashley as well. As their marketing lead, I was really interested in what she had to say around fintech marketing and startup marketing. And sure enough, she certainly didn't disappoint. Within uh, weeks of following her, she shared something that I found absolutely fascinating. So I reached out to Ashley to see if she'd be interested in having a chat with me about that post, about her approach to creativity and about fintech and startup marketing as well. We had a really, really interesting chat. We covered so much um, and I really enjoyed it. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Ashley Stepien, the VP of Marketing at Ramp. Enjoy. Ashley, hello. Big warm welcome to the Changemakers podcast. How are you today? Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excellent. No problem at all. There's a, a huge amount of stuff that I want to cover off today in a relatively short space of time. So it'd be great to get straight into it. But before we start, it's always nice for our listeners to get a sense of of you really and how you landed in your role leading the marketing function at Ramp. What's your career path been like so far? I was just one of those people that was lucky enough to fall into the tech startup world straight out of school. And I, I started, as many people do, as a sales development rep. So I was pounding the phones. And I just started to notice at that first company I was at that there was a lot of opportunity to do some marketing that would help me as a salesperson to have more effective sales calls. So I started nighttiming as a marketing person while I was at that company and I just really took a liking to it. And that, that where, that's where I figured out my superpowers. And I think I had a unique angle on it because I had a background in sales. So inevitably that created a great link between understanding the importance of that marketing and sales relationship and driving revenue. I went from that first company that was acquired by uh, Workday to another company called Golden Gate that they were acquired by Oracle. From there, I went to Marketo because I was a Marketo power user. They were super teeny tiny at that point in time, but I love the tool and I wanted to go help other people love that tool too. So Marketo is really where I cut my teeth on marketing operations and software. From there, I kept going with the consulting with Aperio. They were acquired by Wipro. Um, from uh, Wipro, I went to Pendo. From Pendo, I went to Webflow. And from Webflow, I went to Ramp. And the main theme in the companies that I've been going after is a commitment to growth, hyper growth, preferably, and really understanding the value of marketing and the partnership of marketing and sales in driving that growth. And, and that's how I choose the companies that, that I go to. Something you and I've got in common starting out in sales. And it's really interesting, isn't it? Because you get that real sense of where the revenue comes from and what it takes to close a deal. And, and I guess from your point of view now, how you can affect that at the top of the funnel and help those guys out, essentially. Absolutely. I, I think I have so much empathy for the sales team. It's a very difficult job. It takes a thick skin. It takes commitment to 
you know, doing it day after day, repeating the motions, trying again, even when you get shut down. And so from a marketing perspective, I just have a ton of empathy for my sales family and and just trying to support them as much as I can. We all need empathy. We all need empathy. Absolutely. (laughs) It's that's a superpower in itself for sure. But listen, so you came onto my radar on LinkedIn because of, and, and I'm not just saying this, I think it's my favorite LinkedIn post, definitely of the last year or two. And I'm not going to read the whole because it is a, a longish post, but I would like to just read through a summary for our listeners to understand why I loved it. You put a post out about five reasons why it's a great time to be in tech marketing. The first one was the fact that tech companies are healthy and well-funded right now, which means that marketing budgets no longer just get you by. They give you room to breathe, get creative, experiment in new channels. Absolutely a massive, massive point at the moment, a massive, massive talking point. Number two, marketing is mission critical, maybe only second to product. So that seat at the table we were fighting for a decade ago, we are now on the invite list. Amazing stuff. Number three, the old tactics don't cut it. The most successful marketers today are throwing out the playbook of tired tactics, which means so much opportunity for wild experiments and new approaches. Number four is all about marketing tech stack, meaning that MarTech is innovative, enjoyable and affordable. And then number five, a really, really crucial point, as I'm sure you know, you agree, there's room for everyone now in terms of diversity, diversity in terms of skill set, diversity in terms of background. You know, there's more work to do, but we've never been so diverse as marketing industries. Those five points, where do we start? I guess one point I really want to start with was, was how marketing became so mission critical within particularly B2B tech firms, because it wasn't so long ago that it was, you know, CMOs and marketers were fighting for every inch of budget, appreciation? How did it get that seat at the top table, do you think? Well, I think technology got us there. That That's a TLDR. But as we all know, the buying cycle is something like 80% over by the time that they reach out and actually want to talk to a salesperson. So guess who owns 80% of the buying cycle? Marketing. Whether that's brand awareness, whether that's thought leadership, whether it's creating a community for them to engage with, just educating them about the product, we now have a responsibility to get them to that 80% point before they're ready to talk to sales. So we own more of the sales cycle than anybody else at this point in time, which is why marketing is so mission critical. You have to be doing it right. You have to understand the life cycle. You have to understand how people want to engage with you, what they want to consume from you at which stage of the life cycle. So that we can hand over deals, not leads. Yeah. Do you think it's also part of the new found, or not necessarily new found, but increased appreciation from C-level, from CEOs and, and CFOs for marketing comes with the fact that more of it can be measured and tracked and, and reported back in cold, hard figures now? I, I both love and hate this topic. <laughs> so yes, I do agree with that. I, I think that um, you can attribute a lot of marketing spend to direct impact. So the ROI is very clear most of the time. I also think that Marketers are now playing a more strategic role in the discussion. I think marketers probably understand the market better than almost anyone else in the company. And if they don't, they should. Um, You have a bad marketing leader if they don't understand the market. So I really look at the marketing job's role now is to be informing product, be informing sales, be informing the CEO on on the trends and, and the things that we're picking up on in the marketplace to inform the strategy of the company. So it's all no longer just about informing the marketing strategy. Marketers are informing the company strategy. And, and that's truly why we own the invite list to that table that I, I kind of mentioned in that LinkedIn post. Nice. 
Um, and speaking of the LinkedIn post, at Changemakers Podcast, the, the fundamental aspect to it is all about creativity. So I was really taken with point three in your post about experimentation. How do you and your teams balance that need for constant experimentation and trying new things and um, throwing out the playbook with actually the fact that that playbook also contains some really tried and tested measures? Do you have a set budget, for instance, that you ring fence for experimentation? Do you do it on the fly? How do you approach that? So I have a general philosophy that 80% of what we're doing should be the tried and true, but we should always be leaving 20% of our bandwidth to be trying wild, crazy experiments. So in terms of balancing what I bring to market, I, I do have that 80-20 rule. 80% of like the things we know we need to be doing and 20% of let's go try something weird. But additionally, I think there's a major opportunity to experiment within those tried and true tactics, experimenting with the way your brand shows up, your voice and tone, experimenting with the type of content you're pushing out into the world, experimenting with partnerships, experimenting with customer voice. I, I think there's a lot of room to have a better dialogue with the market with those tried and true tactics. And, and that's something I, I always try to push with the companies I'm at is being a little more bold and making sure that our personality shows up in the way that we're marketing every day, no matter what the channel might be. And do you find that easier or more difficult at startup level? Because the, the classic viewpoint on, on startups is that they are naturally more bold and experimental in the way that they do things. But sometimes, obviously, budgets are slightly more limited. And in some ways, I guess that makes you more creative because you've got to fight harder to, for every pair of eyeballs from your spend, but also it limits what you can do to a certain extent from a scale point of view. Do you find it easier or harder at startup level to be more bold? Honestly, I think it's the only gift we have in terms of being at a startup it is the liberty to be super creative and, and sort of the requirement to be really creative. It's really noisy out there right now. And so it's about making sure your brand is cutting through that noise and showing up in a bold and memorable way. So that's a major part of it. The other thing that I think is really important is recognizing the power of your product is a big differentiator when it comes to being a startup. Things are very crowded. Spaces are very crowded. You know, I, I think probably on average you have five, six, a hundred competitors in your space. So I think from a tech startup standpoint, the other tool that we have to be leveraging more is our product. And what I mean by that is making sure that we are showcasing the power of it, showcasing the use cases and talking very clearly about the value proposition. And then also marketing within your product. And this is kind of a newer channel. So I, I'm biased. I came from a company, Pendo, where we were able to do in-app messaging, which from a marketing perspective is amazing. I was able to um, do in-app marketing about events or getting feedback and just engaging with either customers or folks who were trialing the tool. It's incredibly powerful. So I, I think as a tech startup, your big, big tools have to be your brand showing up creative and bold and then exploring these kind of new channels such as in-app messaging. Mm. Nice. In terms of the other point in your LinkedIn post about MarTech, so the technology side of things that underpins so much of what you do these days. How do you feel in terms of creativity, the interplay between those two things? Because obviously kind of we, t we think about MarTech and we instantly think about kind of marketing operations, the very kind of functional side of mm -hmm. things. But is there room to be creative with your tech stack? And does it help you be more creative or could it possibly inhibit you in some ways? 
Yeah. Uh, super fair question. And I have very strong opinions on uh, the MarTech stack. First off, I think most companies have huge bloat when it comes to their MarTech stack. And it's not necessarily the company's fault. A lot of these tools are starting to kind of implode on one another. They're starting to overlap so much that it's hard to find a tool that does just X and doesn't overlap with Y. So on one hand, I get frustrated with how many tools we might have redundancy with. But that said, I think there's been such a great innovation around tools that help us engage the market. So for instance, podcasting, you have tools like Clubhouse, which allow you to just have a live conversation real time with your customers or or with others. We we have more streaming tools than there's ever been before. So I, I think there's just more friendly and creative ways to engage our customer base. And for those reasons, I'm always game to look at the MarTech stack. I do predict that there will be a huge consolidation in the next decade of a lot of these tools because it's getting super crowded and it's becoming very difficult for MarTech tools to tell their story without getting compared to or pigeonholed with other tools in the stack currently. Obviously, Ramp's doing incredibly well, but statistically, most startups fail. Maybe most MarTech tools will fail as well, or at least be consolidated, you know, and help you guys do Yeah, I mean, I I hope for consolidation. We we never want to see anyone fail, but, you know, there's also a weird thing with tech startups that it's kind of like, IPO or nothing. Mm. And I think that's a really unhealthy mindset. I I would love to see a lot of these tools partner up, consolidate, build me a platform where I don't need to buy seven tools. And that's what I predict we'll see in the next decade. What are the tools that are working really well for you at the moment? So some of my favorite tools are, are the tools that eliminate a lot of our manual efforts right now. So I mentioned Pendo. Getting in front of our audience while they're in the product is priceless. And Typically, it serves them as well. It's great for education and great for giving them heads up on things that are coming up. So I, I love in-app messaging. I think that's a really underused tool by, by marketing professionals. That's the first thing. The second thing, I, I'm a nerd for any sort of tool that streamlines my revenue operations. I love Lean Data. I love Chili Piper. These, these sorts of tools that just eliminate those manual steps between my website and getting to a salesperson. So anything I can streamline there, those are things I'm big fans of. I'm also a big fan of tools like Tech Validate, where they're doing my job for me by collecting a lot of the customer feedback, customer stories, and presenting it in a more informal way. Every marketer knows that building customer case studies takes a lot of time. It takes convincing, it takes a lot of meetings, it takes time to write it, and then everybody's redlining it. It's a nightmare. So it's a tool like Tech Validate, which kind of makes things informal and gives you that same sort of value. And frankly, I think comes across as almost um, more authentic. That's another tool I'm a big fan of right now, too. Cool. And in terms of experimenting with MarTech tools, do you have do you have a process maybe? Or, you know, if you see something new, do you have a, a process for your team? Let, let's just try this out and we can scale it or we can work with it more. If it if it's if it's right for us, are you wary of overloading them with a few too many tools? What's your thinking on that? I am the worst marketing leader to sell to. <laughs> and the reason for that is I put the buying power entirely in my team's hands. I very rarely will recommend a tool to them unless it's one that I love and and have had great experiences with, but I do expect them to be constantly having their ears open, looking for trends, looking for ways to um, innovate and and for them to bring it to me 
I, I just signed the paperwork, but I really do expect my sales leaders or uh, my marketing leaders to be the ones to, to identify and figure out how we would implement and employ those tools. I just wanted to pick up on one more point in your amazing LinkedIn post, which is the, the piece about diversity. So it's such a huge topic in the world, but how do you approach the challenge of creating as diverse a team as possible, not just in terms of diversity of heritage or background necessarily but in terms of skill set it's obviously something that's really important to you very I think it's really important to me because of the stage of company that I like to be at which is hyper growth my background is going into very small teams and building them out with the right players so that we can scale to the next level and when that is your prerogative when that is your challenge your biggest mistake is looking for a unicorn that's these exact five bullet points of skills. In reality, you want to be looking for people with a growth mindset that can lean in and out of their expertise to help you grow. My biggest pet peeve from an employee is like, that's not my job or that I want to stay in my lane. While I respect it, it's not the kind of person I want to work with. At the stage that I'm at, I hire for potential, not necessarily background. If I see that you have the potential to grow into the role that I'm envisioning, or potentially you're pitching me a role that that you think I need, I'm all ears. I I really don't look to hire people who who fit into a box. It's a great approach. Absolutely fantastic. And and do you think that aids, going back to that subject of creativity, do you think that aids your team's creativity with a more diverse, proactive and go-get-them attitude? Absolutely. I think when you give people a lot of room to grow and explore, creativity comes uh, much more easily. The type of people that I hire, I look for that creative DNA as well. People who want to go try crazy things and get wild and break things and recognize that there will be days that they are an IC, an individual contributor, and there will be days where they're doing my job. I really need people who can flex up or down. I just wanted to touch on Ramp and in particular, what drew you to join? What what did you see in Ramp that you thought that's for me? So generally, three things came up for me. I, I had been speaking to Eric and Kareem, our our founders, for a little while, just kind of learning about the tool before I decided to join. And uh, the first thing that jumped out at me is they were going to go disrupt a really tired space. Finance tools are pathetic. The user experiences look like they haven't been touched in 15 years. You know, some of the tools I was using 20 years ago, and they look exactly the same. And it just feels like the the persona in general has been done a major disservice with the lack of investment in the experience and the technology that they're being sold. So I loved that Ramp wanted to go disrupt that really tired legacy space. That was the first thing. Um, The second thing is I've never seen company with the shipping cadence that Ramp has. When I say that they are product-led, they are product-led. We are shipping every two weeks. And we're not just shipping teeny tiny little functions. We're shipping game changers every two weeks, which as a marketer is such a gift. I think a lot of companies, though they would never admit it or label it this way, they're marketing-led. Marketing and sales are out ahead of the product or out ahead of the company. So it's a lot of future selling, a lot of future marketing which gets really dangerous when the product can't catch up with marketing. And we've all been there. It doesn't feel good to be future selling that much. Whereas at Ramp, marketing was like dreadfully behind 
the product. We could barely keep up with what they were producing. So now I almost have this problem of the product is shipping so fast that all of my campaigns are about product launches. And I'm trying to create some bandwidth to do campaigns around other things. So it it was just such a gift from from that perspective to to be given a product that was moving at the speed of light. The third thing was just culturally, I felt super aligned. Ramp is full of people who believe in accountability. They believe in our mission. There's a lot of pride of ownership. So everybody just really wants to get things done and be proud of the work that they're doing. They care a lot about the customer experience. They are obsessed with it, in fact. And that just feels really good to be surrounded with people who kind of think the same way I do. I I saw on LinkedIn as well that you're building out your creative team as well, which is really cool. That must be great in terms of more resource, more skill sets in-house to deliver that phenomenal amount of work that it seems that you need to, to keep this things in motion. Yeah, absolutely. One of the beautiful things I learned at Webflow was the power of a design team, the power of a creative organization. At my previous companies, we'd always run a little bit lean in that particular area and we'd outsource a lot to agencies. Webflow had a a bit of a reverse approach to that where the design team was getting to be as big as the marketing team. And, And they took brand very, very seriously. They took the quality of the design very seriously. And from a marketing perspective, that was my secret weapon. We were able to produce so much more by having uh, that team in-house. And that's what I'm trying to replicate at Ramp too. It's just that that ability to move at the speed of light, but really have command over our brand. Yeah, that's it. I think every B2B tech company has a slightly different approach, I think, but the ones that do it really well balance that agility and that speed that you get with an internal team. And obviously that closeness to the brand as well with a diverse enough skill set for you to be able to do the big pieces, the small pieces, the things that need, you know, churning out at a rate of knots to to the bigger picture thinking. And obviously the handling of the brand as well, that thing that needs so much care and attention and and constant evolution as well. Sometimes I think some of the design teams that aren't quite at it internally maybe spend so much time focusing on the day-to-day work that they almost neglect the brand in some way. So I guess it's about having that balance, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And I think um, I've been very lucky to work with amazing brand leaders and like my my marketing superpower is revenue and operations and kind of team building my brain does not work how creative or or brand marketers work so i need that partner there and and i recognize that that is not my strength so finding a strong partner there is is kind of what makes us unstoppable and speaking of unstoppable, uh, my next question was, what does the future hold for you guys at a startup? That's often a tricky question. Things change yeah. so much, but what, what are the next few months like for you guys? Oh, you know, nothing short of world domination. <laughs> but but more so, we're really looking to transform the way that finance leaders are able to do their job and, and build their teams and allow their teams to be freed up from busy work, manual work that, that's involved with a lot of the, the finance operations. So Really, we're building a finance automation platform. There's none out there that do what we can do. We have some big plans that we'll be announcing in the next year that you'll be hearing about that'll really kind of secure us as the leader and as the finance automation platform. So I've got my work cut out for me. We've got some big events next year, but the plan is to just be really loud, make a lot of noise and make a lot of customers happy. Sounds amazing. Absolutely fantastic. And I will keep my eyes and ears open for those announcements. The last question that we like to ask all of our guests on The Changemakers is just if you can think of or give me a campaign or a project from your extensive career that you're you're particularly proud of during your time. It doesn't have to be ramp, it obviously can be, but just a project during your career that you think, well, that, that was something that I look back on and amazing. 
You know, it might be because I'm a little bit nostalgic for in-person events, but while at Pendo, we had done our, our very first product craft conference, which was 100% about thought leadership in the product space. It hadn't been done before. We had no idea if people were going to show up. <laughs> we, we were just kind of building it all from scratch from the ground up. We picked a really cool space in San Francisco and we wanted it to be a very different kind of conference. And I had the undying support of the rest of the executive team to go experiment, do weird things and, and just see how it would land. And that was such a gift. You, you normally don't get budget and then full autonomy to go build something completely awesome and brand new and high risk with maybe low ROI. And it ended up being such a beautiful um, experience and such good feedback from the customers that it gave me a lot of confidence to trust my instinct to, to chase some of those kind of weirder experiments that I'm stewing on. I'm really intrigued by the weird experiments. What, what are we talking about here? Well, so for instance, we the space we chose didn't allow for us to have multiple tracks. There were no rooms for multiple tracks. What were we going to do? How are we going to set up three stages with no walls? And so we made it silent disco. Nice. And that had not been done. It was awesome. People loved it. They could just change the channel and kind of tune in where they wanted to tune in. And it created this really intimate experience in a giant warehouse that felt really full. So things like that, we just kind of tried, we, we looked at our challenges more as opportunities to build out some weird stuff. And, and that was super fun. I think this is partly a pandemic thing as well, but what you just said is a great example of how, and it's great to end on creativity because that's what this podcast is about, but creativity often thrives when you're restricted by things, you know, whether it's a resource restriction or whether in your case, it's a physical restriction. What are we going to do? How are we going to solve this problem? That's what creativity is about. It's all about problem solving. So that's, that's fantastic to hear. Really, really cool. Well, listen, Ashley, it's been really, really great talking to you. Thank you so much for being a guest on The Changemakers. We'll look out eagerly for those announcements from Ramp in the, in the weeks and months to come. But in the meantime, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it.